You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A long weekend road trip was nearly the last for a Saskatchewan couple visiting friends in BC. They were traveling along Highway 3 when a mudslide pushed them over the ledge near Creston. As John Hua reports, the couple, now recovering in hospital, is trying to piece together exactly how they survived. Imagine getting caught in a tidal wave of trees, being rushed by rock slabs the size of pickup trucks. Happened in seconds. It was like, it was a, the tree fell and then we were swooshed, like washed away. This is all that's left of Gabe Rosescu's and Sherry Nemegir's Hyundai Elantra. After a mudslide pushed it off the Kootenai Pass section of Highway 3, just outside of Creston, last Thursday. I think we're kind of like pointed down or on, we were on a ledge or whatever, and I just remember... Gabe was moaning and I was moaning. Luckily, the Saskatchewan couple's screams were heard by a passerby and volunteer firefighter who told their family he waded in mud up to his armpits to help get them out. There's no words uh, created in the English language that uh, that explains gratitude um, to people that saved your loved ones. Nemegears was rushed to a hospital in Treo with a broken ankle and sternum. Rosescu airlifted to Kelowna General Hospital. It's only at the time that he seen himself that he realized... Um, how severe um, everything is with him. Family says the left side of Rosescu's head smashed through the driver's side window. Damage to his orbital bones and optic nerve might result in vision loss. We don't know how much it's going to cost. We don't know what his rehab time length is going to be. I mean, it's going to be extensive, obviously. Don Struthers has set up a GoFundMe page to help with the couple's lengthy recovery. And donations have already surpassed their original goal. The support on the GoFundMe page has, has uh, blown our family away. Um, Gabe is actually quite emotional about um, the support that he's getting. Looking at the damage, Nimagears knows the result could have been so much worse. The drive is beautiful, and then disaster struck and everything. Our world turned upside down. Just happy to have survived the few potentially fatal seconds when they were trapped in Mother Nature's grasp. John Hua, Global News. There's more tonight about a man arrested in connection with a double shooting in Vancouver. One of the victims, allegedly his pregnant former girlfriend, who ended up losing the baby. Ramina Dea explains the shocking details revealed in Carlton Stevens' criminal history and exclusive video of his arrest. Amanda Lemire had just left a family barbecue Sunday when she witnessed this. What are we in the middle of right now? I've never seen anything like that in my life. The suspect, considered armed and dangerous, was on the run for two days before he was taken down by the VPD's canine unit in Surrey Sunday. We had no idea the extent of who the individual actually was um, that we were witnessing being arrested. 37-year-old Carlton Stevens is now facing two charges, including attempted murder in connection to a violent double shooting at a print shop in Vancouver Friday. A 31-year-old pregnant woman and her friend, a 23-year-old man, were shot. They both survived, but the unborn child died. All I seen was Jess and she had a bullet hole in her belly. Witnesses tell us the mother-to-be had recently broken up with her ex. New details now emerging about the suspect's criminal past. According to media reports from 2004, 
Stevens was sentenced to eight years in prison after he was found guilty for stabbing his ex-girlfriend in the neck because she left him. What are we in the middle of right now? The suspect remains in custody. His next court appearance is June 1st. It was quick. It was in the middle of the day, um, a very busy street. So it just shows the importance of getting that individual. And yeah, they did a great job. Romina Dea, Global News. A Coquitlam piano teacher being investigated for allegations of sexual assault is facing seven new charges. Dimitro, also known as Dimitri Kubishkin, is now facing a total of 10 charges, including seven counts of sexual assault and three counts of sexual interference. Kubishkin was a piano teacher in private homes for more than 20 years, and the current allegations stretch back to 1998. He has been released on a number of new conditions. If you or someone you know has been a victim of a crime involving Kubishkin, you're asked to contact Coquitlam RCMP. And police are seeking other victims of 74-year-old Leonardo French, who's accused of sexually assaulting a young girl on a transit bus in Richmond. French is well-known to police and is known to use public transit. RCMP believe there may be additional victims and are asking for people to come forward. One man is in custody after a bizarre case of road rage in Kamloops. The man drove his car into several businesses scattered around the city. The rampage began around 8.30 Monday night with the suspect driving his car into five banks and several storefronts. The suspect, well known to police, was stopped in the parking lot of a shopping mall and arrested, but not before he drove his car into a police cruiser. In total, 11 businesses suffered damage Police have no idea what sparked the demolition derby. It ran into businesses at the Sahali Mall, at the Aberdeen Centre Mall, and uh, altogether 11 different businesses and banks were crashed into by this vehicle last night. Surprisingly, no one was hurt during the rampage. The suspect is now facing several charges. Well, the next time you're taking transit, no compass card, no problem. TransLink launching its new tap-to-pay fare system today. Tetraneki has more on the rollout, and there are a few quirks that riders need to know about, Ted. Yes, yeah, Sophie, the quirks we'll get to in a second here, but TransLink going so far as to suggest this is the game changer, and they're saying that it has never been easier to be a paying customer on TransLink than it is today. Apparently, it's a lot harder than it looks to make this work. That's probably why there's only a handful of public transit tap-to-pay systems in the world. Vancouver the first in Canada and third in North America behind New York and Chicago. And you have to be able to make it approved in milliseconds. Uh, so there's a lot of plumbing that actually goes into making, making this work. It sounds expensive to implement. What's the cost for all of this? Nothing. It was the, the, the best available technology, and that technology included the mobile payments right off the bat. So from here on in, anyone with a chip-enabled credit card can tap on and tap off public transit, be it boat, bus, or train. On the days that maybe I take the West Coast Express and don't have fare left on my compass card, it'll definitely help if I could just tap my credit card. Absolutely. It's a great thing. You know, they've, they've progressed a lot. It's nice to see. It's especially convenient for those who don't regularly take public transit. Visitors who arrive at YVR won't have to worry about calculating zones and fares and dealing with the, the vending machine, the ticket vending machine. Who wants that after a long flight? 
TransLink says the 1.5 million Compass cards out there are still the way to go as they offer some discount fares that the credit cards don't. There is a promotional campaign urging commuters to physically take their cards out of their wallets to tap, simply because tapping your wallet that probably has other radio chips in other cards could confuse the system. So tap your card. Not your wallet. Another issue is it's a one tap per customer, so a family of four couldn't tap in. That's just not going to work. Also, as far as uh, security goes, a TransLink says that once you scan their car, once your, your card is scanned, the numbers are encrypted. So some cyber thieves, if they were to drill into TransLink's database, would see a bunch of squiggly numbers and, and, and be protected that way. And as far as fare evasion goes, they say they can still scan your credit card while on board and find out if you've paid, just like they do now for the Compass cards. So they, they think they've got that covered as well. Sophie? Well, we'll see how it all works out in the days and weeks to come. Ted, thank you. Good news, Vancouver. Starting today, you can now tap your visa to go anywhere TransLink takes you. And recognize that silky voice? TransLink securing Morgan Freeman for a limited time to voice transit announcements, including one today about the rollout of credit card and mobile payments. Freeman will also make more standard announcements about bus etiquette. The actor has long been the voice of Visa, one of two credit cards accepted by TransLink's new tap-to-pay card readers. B.C. is suing the Alberta government over a piece of legislation that province approved last week that could limit how much oil is shipped here. Keith Baldry joins us with more on this from Victoria. Keith, an escalation in this ongoing battle. Yeah, an, uh, an expected escalation. No surprise here. E.B. said last week he'd be going to Alberta this week, uh, but he uh, went as early as today, the first business day since Bill 12 received royal assent. A nine-page statement of claim claiming that uh, Alberta is violating the constitutional rights of B.C. on five different uh, occasions, including that it's uh, singling out B.C. for punishment, it's uh, violating interprovincial trade agreements, uh, it's regarding refined fuel, which you're not allowed to uh, discriminate against, and also it's impeding the free flow of goods between provinces. David Evie, again, we caught up with him today talking about the trade inf infraction and Rachel Notley in Alberta also wading into the fray. Here's the two of them. We believe it's unconstitutional on its face. It violates a couple different trade agreements. Uh, but in any event, we should be prepared. And so that's why we filed in court to send the message to Alberta uh, that we take this very seriously. On one hand, they don't want our oil. And on the other hand, they're suing us to give them our oil. Mm -hmm. So that happened. Um, but nonetheless, uh, what I would also suggest is that uh, it's probably premature, although, you know, we appreciate uh, them uh, sh uh, sharing their arguments with us in advance. Well, there was concern that court challenges would bog this thing down long ago. Keith, how many court challenges does this bring us to now? This brings us to five, Chris. We've got uh, the B.C. government involved in two of them, today's and also that reference case, a constitutional question. You've got the municipality of Burnaby in the uh, Supreme Court of Canada hoping to have power over permitting Kinder Morgan. Squamish Indian Band is challenging this as well. But the big one and the most important one is at the federal court level, a number of First Nations challenging the National Energy Board's approval of the pipeline, arguing that First Nations were not adequately consulted. If the federal court rules in their favour, it'll be similar to Enbridge, which said bye-bye to that pipeline it could very well happen here with Kinder Morgan. That decision expected any day. Keith Baldry and Victoria. Thanks, Keith. 
Well, tonight we are hearing the 911 call for help after two cyclists were attacked by a cougar while riding trails near Seattle. Kylie Stanton explains why the number of encounters in B.C. seems to be on the rise and what to do if you find yourself face to face with a big cat. It hurts. I know, I know, but you're doing a really great job staying calm there. The call came from inside these woods. A man's voice clearly haunted by what he'd seen. I'm so worried about my okay. Do you know where, how far out he is from where you are? At most five miles. Okay. It's where a cougar attack turned deadly Saturday afternoon. The three or four-year-old cat stopped two cyclists, Izzy Cedarbaum and S.J. Brooks, in their tracks before they tried to scare it off. But just when they thought they were safe, it pounced. Cedarbaum managed to escape. Brooks didn't make it. Well, certainly we think that what the cougar was, was looking for there was some food uh, because it did appear to be underweight. Now wildlife officials are examining the stomach contents of the cougar, trying to determine how and why it became aggressive enough to kill. It's just so rare. We're going to look, from a scientific standpoint, look for what is that rare point that made this happen. It's only the second time in the past century a cougar has killed a human in Washington state, while here in B.C. there are less than 10 cougar fatalities on record. But experts warn it could become more frequent as encounters are on the rise. This uh, phenomenon, if you will, can be explained by the increase of human presence in what was formerly uh, wildlife habitat urban sprawl encroachment into green spaces. New housing developments like this are just one example. Where the homes now sit was just a forest a few years ago, making interaction between wildlife and people pretty much inevitable. I try to don't worry, but I have to look around. The key with encroachment is education, knowing just what to do if paths cross. I'm always aware I have bear spray with me. Make myself big, I know that. And stare the cougar down if you can. (laughs) Don't run. In this case, the victims did everything right. And still, the outcome was tragic. Going to show out here, there's a limit to what humans can control. These animals are called wildlife for a reason. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Amazing. All right, travelers with tickets for WestJet flights are on edge tonight as possible, a possible pilot strike looms. The pilots are legally allowed to walk off at any time although the union and the company are still talking. So what do you do if you are scheduled to fly WestJet? Our Consumer Matters reporter, Ann Drua, joins us with uh, what you need to know. Ann? Yeah, definitely some nervous travelers tonight. Thanks, you too. The Airline Pilots Association says it will return to the bargaining table with WestJet this week, and both sides say they are confident they can reach a new contract agreement. If not, travel experts say there's no reason to panic just yet. It's important to remember that 72 hours notice must must be given before any strike action, so travelers will get a three-day warning. WestJet says if flights are canceled due to labor action, a full refund of the fare, including taxes and fees, will be provided. Travel experts urge anyone who needs to be somewhere on a certain date in the coming weeks, for example, business passengers, people with connecting flights to Europe, or vacationers who've booked months in advance, to get a credit for their WestJet booking, then buy tickets on another carrier to make sure they get where they need to go. In response to the WestJet strike vote mandate, Air Canada has added capacity on key transcontinental routes and Flair Air is offering to match the fare WestJet customers paid provided they have the receipt. It will be a mess. 70,000 a day 
is a lot of people. And although Flair and uh, Air Canada have said that they'll put on more flights, on which routes? And those flights are going to fill up very, very quickly. And they're going to get more expensive as more people book them. So for the, the end result for the consumer who was booked on a WestJet flight is a nightmare. Now, keep in mind, travel insurance may or may not cover you, depending on the policy. In terms of compensation for pre-booked accommodation, many hotels will give you your money back if you give appropriate cancellation notice. Your credit card may offer some sort of protection on non-refundable or non-transferable vacation packages, but Airbnb bookings cannot be changed, and you will lose that money. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters.globalnews.ca. All right. Thanks very much, Anne. RCMP are investigating a break and enter in South Burnaby near Metrotown that was caught on surveillance video. Victor Cruz says he came home to find a man leaving his backyard and saw that his garage door was open. He says while he went after the first suspect, another man got into his garage through a window and stole an expensive mountain bike and power drill. It's very disappointing, especially in that area. I thought it was pretty safe, but I guess nowhere is safe anymore. Um, Very disappointing. Anyone with information is asked to call Burnaby RCMP or Crime Stoppers. Well, to no one's surprise, the Deadpool sequel cleaned up at the long weekend box office, racking up more than $300 million in worldwide ticket sales. And as Nadia Stewart reports, the studio behind the R-rated shot in BC production points out it also injected some serious money into the local economy. When a blockbuster film sets up shop in your city, there's no doubt the payoff is going to be big. And Deadpool 2 is no exception. All kinds of industries are impacted by big films and TV series that really, if you live in the lower mainland, you see this stuff all over the place. Film crews were all over Vancouver's downtown last summer. The short-term pain of road closures and parking disruptions paling in comparison to the economic boost to the region. There was 3,700 people who worked on the show that were from British Columbia. That's pretty amazing. What's more, over $2 million was spent on transportation and car rentals. Another $1.4 million on catering and craft services. Over $2 million in construction costs alone. So that's a whole construction industry. It's not just the construction workers, but it's the actual lumber and materials required. For the businesses and attractions that hosted the film, it's meant yet another memorable shoot. From an economic perspective, it's great to have a lot of different facilities used in a lot of different ways, and it helps keep the site lively and vibrant. And there are still benefits to be reaped, among them tourism. The city could become a magnet for those who want to tour the sites they see on the big screen. If you look at what other destinations around the world have done with film tourism, if you look at New Zealand, for example, and Lord of the Rings, I think it's easy for everyone to see and understand how impactful film tourism programs can be when implemented well. Film tourism, just the latest industry benefiting from Hollywood North, taking advantage of an opportunity right on our doorstep. Nadia Stork, Global News. Spectacular new aerial video tonight from the U.S. Department of Defense of the eruptions and lava flow from Hawaii's Mount Kilauea. Along with these destructive rivers of molten rock, scientists say sulfur dioxide emissions from the volcano have more than doubled since the current eruption began. 
The slow-motion disaster still unfolding after one of the most active volcanoes in the world erupted two weeks ago. Tonight, the new danger with lava now threatening a major power plant. Even a safe distance away from this fissure, you can really feel its power. It's well over 100 degrees here on the ground, though the air temperature across this island is much cooler. This fissure has been breaking out for several days, say geologists, and shows no signs of slowing down. A lot of people are freaking out. They're uh, really, they're really afraid. This one is actually not far from a geothermal plant in the area. It's already crossed onto the property, but so far has not caused any serious damage. It's a concern, though, still. More than 40 structures have been destroyed here. 2,000 people remain evacuated. Officials say they're also worried about air quality, especially in the coming days as more sulfur dioxide burns off and that hot magma hits the cooler ocean water. Ooh, ah. Even if you don't have heart or lung problems, it could cause lung problems down the road. It's a concern all across this island, while in residential communities, this is what they're worried about today. U.S. President Donald Trump casting some doubt on whether his planned June 12th summit with North Korea's Kim Jong-un will happen, saying there's a very substantial chance that it won't work out. The president's not packing his bags just yet. There's a very substantial chance that it won't work out, and that's okay. That Singapore sit-down set for three weeks from today, now on the rocks. It may not work out for June 12th, but there's a good chance that we'll have the meeting. A non-committal President Trump seated side-by-side with his South Korean counterpart, who's working to keep the talks on track between the U.S. and North Korea, after Kim Jong-un threatened to pull out of the meeting altogether last week. The South suggesting there's a 99.9% chance the summit still goes on as planned. Optimistic, but maybe not realistic. I'm not a betting man, (laughs) so I I wouldn't care to predict whether it will happen, only to predict um, that uh, we'll be ready in the event that it does. The president seeming to blame China for North Korea's new tone. I think there was a little change in attitude from Kim Jong-un, so I don't like that. Before this week, the president appeared pleased with the progress. We're really doing well with North Korea. His administration already commissioning challenge coins, as they do for every overseas trip. This one featuring a face-to-face Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un. I think this uh, president was also engaged in some sort of end zone dancing about this, except he was still on his own 20-yard line. Now, the public pitch to Kim Jong-un, a dictator whose human rights abuses are well documented. We will guarantee to your safety. He will be safe. He will be happy. His country will be rich. For President Trump, the start of the deal, still confident in how it'll end. In the end, it'll work out. Can't tell you exactly how or why, but it always does. It's going to work out. The former president and first lady of the United States have finalized a streaming deal. Barack and Michelle Obama have signed a multi-year deal to produce original content for Netflix. It will be a mix of content including scripted programs and docu-series and the Obamas will have roles both on and off camera. No timeline has been released but sources say viewers can expect new content next year. A Washington state server got the tip of a lifetime. I just really want to thank them and say what a wonderful thing that was for them to do for a stranger. Absolutely. Michelle Bozeman was tipped $3,000 on a $44 tab. On the back of the bill, the big tipper wrote, thanks for smiling. You work hard 
and the country is in a bad place. The customer told Bozeman to enjoy the cash and pay it forward. She's taking the advice, sharing some of the money with her co-workers and treating herself to a trip to Ireland. In Health Matters tonight, modifying your diet may be a good way to breathe easier. Johns Hopkins researchers found that a diet rich in colorful fruits and berries is associated with better lung function as we age. The key is the flavonoid that gives berries their dark pigments. The research wasn't designed to prove berries directly help lungs, but many other studies have shown the benefits of eating colorful produce. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A cat stranded in the middle of a busy highway, the daring rescue caught on camera coming up right after the forecast. Oh, you can hear him meowing. Yeah. Poor little. It gets cuter, though. Kitten. <laughs> All right. Uh, Christy Gordon joining us now with yes. a look at the weather forecast. And boy, it's beautiful and about to get even better out there. That's right. Another hot stretch of weather we are in for. Early season heat once again. Temperatures soar to 25, 26 degrees today. Interior regions close to 30 degrees. But have you noticed it's we know there's a of Braden this morning. Uh, there is so much. What is this again? The, um, the cotton, isn't cotton it? Cotton wood, the, yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. And it is all over the place. I'm sure you <laughs> allergy, uh, high fever sufferers are having a hard time right now. Uh, but uh, we woke up to a little, I thought I'd start off with our, um, our weather window. We woke up to a little bit of fog in just a few key areas. We'll see that again tomorrow morning, but otherwise you can expect sunshine. There's one area, though, that we'll see thunderstorms tomorrow afternoon. I'll show you that in a second. First, though, all flood warnings have finally ended, everyone. So no longer is flooding imminent across the province, but we do have five areas under a flood watch. That means that there still is the potential for uh, flooding across the region. So these are the areas under the flood watch. It's still the boundary area, which is the Kettle River, the Granby River, Slocan, Shushwap, Bulkley, and the Notley River as well. And the reason for that is because of the heat that we're seeing. So 30 degree weather today. And again, Again, for the next three days, these are temperatures are good. Eight to nine degrees above average for this time of year. It does cool off as we head into the weekend, but a good four days of 30-degree weather is not what they need. And there is still significant snow at the highest elevation. Much of the snow has already melted at the low and mid levels, but higher up there is still significant snow. So this is BC River Forecast Center of um, forecast for the Slocan River. This is today, and you can see as we head towards the weekend, there's another peak site. That's why the flood watches remain in effect for five areas across the province. Now, today we had significant rain across the north coast. That will finally ease to showers for you tomorrow. But tomorrow afternoon, although we'll see mainly sunny skies, there are a few areas out in the Fraser Valley that have a chance of a few isolated showers or thunderstorms tomorrow. So Chilliwack out towards Hope as well. There's your forecast for tomorrow. Showers along the north coast. A slight chance of an isolated afternoon shower in through the BC Peace River. And a few key areas here from Williams Lake into Merritt and over towards Hope. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw a lightning strike or two along with those showers. But pleasant conditions tomorrow, 22 to 26 degrees. That is well above average. Average is 17. We do cool off a little bit Thursday, Friday and into Saturday because we will see a bit more cloud, but no rain in sight. Back to you guys. All right. Thanks very much, Christy. No one knows how she got there, but they knew she was in trouble, so a Michigan police officer sprung into action. Come here. Come here. Come here. 
Officer Cameron Koss came to the rescue of this cat stuck in the center median of a busy highway. It was touch and go for a moment. The frightened cat tried to jump over the median to escape. Poor little kitten. The cat, now nicknamed Libby, finally calmed down enough to settle into a police cap. <laughs> she looks a little frightened. She's now at the Humane Society and ready for adoption. Oh, she should become the station's cat. Very cute. Yeah, that's so sweet. Absolutely. Well, a challenging rescue for firefighters in Langley. We're going, we're going. Dig it. Oh, oh, oh. challenging all right a steer wandered into a neighboring yard somehow getting into the koi pond getting it out as you can see a little bit of a struggle crews tried pulling and then using a plywood ramp a winch didn't even work finally firefighters managed to get the animal out when the owner of the steer came over with some heavy machinery our first concern is with the welfare of the animal and safety of our firefighters. Uh, so the, the, the goal here is to get the animal out of the pond without injuring it, it or any of the firefighters. Um, we've taken uh, quite a bit of training in large animal rescue. Um, I've got some very qualified, very skilled firefighters here. Once we got the correct equipment here, it was a very, very simple rescue. Something they don't train for wow. every day. Right? Hope the koi are okay. I don't know if there's any That's koi what left I was in wondering. there. Yeah, the koi—they're probably confused by yeah. the whole thing. Like, what is this thing? Is Why is it on? in the water with us? So squares and Kamloops. Yeah, I'm sitting in with you guys for the next couple of nights. We'll get to the lines in a second, but I want to show you something that happened last night. He's been making all kinds of news on social media. Soccer great Brandy Chastain was inducted into the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame, but take a look at the plaque. It looks like Mickey Rooney. That's supposed to be Brandy Chastain, one of the greatest women's soccer players of all time. The soccer world, sports fans in uproar tonight, they're making a new plaque for Brandy Chastain. Oh, no. And I should hope so. I'm seeing Pete Rose. I don't know. What did she say? Uh, her exact quote was, it's not the most flattering, <laughs> but it's nice. Aww. The thought that counts. Is, is where all class. Yeah. I oh, love the early days of football camp. Do you? It'd be t- it could be pretty tough. You like the two-a-days? Getting back into it. Mm, we'll get to it right now. <laughs> thanks, guys. Right, thanks. Uh, evening, everybody. BC Lions training camp is in full swing. New general manager Ed Hervey was so busy in the offseason making changes, you're going to need to buy a program for the Lions fans to identify the players. One guy you won't have trouble spotting, though, is Jovan Olafoye. Jovan was a mainstay up front until Wally Buono traded him away to Montreal last year. His stay there only lasted a year. Now he's back in the den, and he's standing by with Squire. To show you how big Jovan is, I'm six feet tall, so <laughs> welcome back. Thank you. I appreciate it. Glad to be back. That must have been a nice phone call you got. Oh, yeah, definitely. This is home for me. If anywhere I wanted to go, it would be here in B.C., so I'm glad I'm home. How tough was it last year to leave here? It was How very weird tough. was it to be in Montreal? It, it was weird. It was weird. Um, it was tough leaving here, me being here for so long, being here for seven years, and, you know, just being my family for so long. It was hard, but I know, understand it's a, it's a part of the business, and that's what happened. I mean, I got traded, and I'm glad I'm home. Um, my agent, Dan Vertlieb, uh, 
you know, um, called, called Ed and, and told him um, I got released. And Ed right away hopped on in and they got it together and got the contract together. And this place I wanted to be when my agent asked me, like, out of three teams, what team would you rather be first? Or, like, of course, BC, you know, is home. So You know this team well. Mm-hmm. You know a lot of the guys in the offense. BC, you know, is home. So, you know this team well. Mm-hmm. You know a lot of the guys in this offense. How good can this offense be? It struggled last year. The offensive line had some problems. Mm-hmm. How good can it be? It can be really good. You know, with the new additions of Joe Figueroa and a couple of offensive linemen, new draft picks. And then we 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 already got Jonathan Jennings, which I still believe is one of the best quarterbacks in the CFL. And don't don't forget Manny and um, Burnham and JJ. All those guys, are very explosive players. So that's all the keys we need to be a successful offense. I know we'll do well this year. He's definitely want to do that. And he, you know, while he's very important to me and, and my success and stuff, and I want to set him out right. All right. Thank you, Joe. Biden. No problem. Thank you. Giovanna Olafoye, back with the BC Lions. Back to you. We've all decided that three squires could make up maybe, <laughs> Jovan. Mm-hmm. You know, you really can't over, uh, overstate the importance of a big, strong offensive line, one extra block or one extra second to allow your quarterback to make a throw, or you're back to break out of the backfield. Adding six-time CFL All-Star like Jovan is only going to make BC's offense that much more dangerous. First of all, Jovan is huge. I mean, we were all smiles when we heard that. Uh, just to, For one, he's just a teammate and a brother that I've gone to battle with for years, and I love seeing his face in the locker room. And Obviously, most importantly, he's a heck of a football player. And so that really, I mean, with, with Joel Figueroa and Jovan Olfioe at the two tackle spots, that's phenomenal. Oh, it's huge. Like, even when Jovan was here before, he was a leader. Like, he's an all-star lineman, so right now, we got Fig and Javon, like our tackles are locked up and we got the best of the best right now. St. Louis Cardinals are becoming must-viewing for BC baseball fans, especially everybody out in Maple Ridge. It's the city that helped produce Larry Walker. Now they're all anxiously awaiting every plate appearance by Tyler O'Neill. Yesterday, O'Neill hit the hide off the baseball against Kansas City. He mashed his first-ever three-run home run in the big leagues. It also marked the straight, uh, third straight game that he's gone yard. Emergence recently here of O'Neill. Over to back to back games. The 2 1 lifted out to deep right. He's done it again. Three consecutive games with a home run. And that one, a major blast in the right field. Tyler O'Neill, goodness. Having any fun yet, Tyler? Wow. <laughs> no better feeling right there. Yeah, having some fun. Very astute pickup here while we were watching the highlights. That Chris, that is his first opposite field home run of his Major League Baseball career. Tell you, the last week his batting average is 585. He had an RBI single. He finished the night last night with four RBIs. Seven hits in his last 12 at-bats. Seven RBIs. His slugging percentage is 895. Still can't stomach the fact that the Mariners traded this kid away. He needs to be just driving down and watching him. But Mike Trout, the Angels opening up a three-game set in Toronto. Blue Jays, 22-25 and 25 on the season, jumped all over the Halos in the opening inning. Kenris Morales caps off the five-run opening inning, two-run shot to right. Blue Jays, hang on, win it 5-3. They're now two games below 500. Well, last week we were the first to tell you that Barkley Parnetta was the front runner to land the Vancouver Giants general manager's job. Tomorrow, the Giants will officially announce Parnetta as their new GM to replace Glenn Hanlon. Parnetta spent the last decade with the Tri-City Americans as head scout and assistant general manager. He's also scouted in the National Hockey League for the St. Louis Blues, Arizona Coyotes, and Hockey Canada. It's a good hire 
by the Vancouver Giants. And congratulations to Barkley Parnetta. Have to show you this. Check it out. Motorsport fans were seeing double in New York today. Danica Patrick and GoDaddy times two. Patrick in Times Square alongside her Lego double. Team of nine designers and master builders spent nearly 200 hours building the Danica Lego statue. It features 13 different colors, 14,819 Lego bricks. It's a gift for Danica. She qualified seventh, by the way, for uh, this weekend's Indy 500, her final race behind the steering wheel. I started thinking about it more and thinking about the future, and then I just realized that I was not really in the right mindset to like push to keep going. So um, I think that says it all. I mean, I've had an all-go mode kind of um, career uh, up until that point to keep moving forward. Look, I know I'm sort of young <laughs> for retirement, um, and it was sort of... Um, unconventional the way it all went down as far as being my choice to um, retire from racing um, but what the heck have I done that is conventional only female driver when an open roll race happened in 2008 but I think you've got the best question well how do they manage to make Lego Danica Patrick look more like Danica Patrick than the Brandy Chastain plaque plaque Hall of Fame plaque I know. Lego Lego's easier to work in than bronze <laughs> is it? a child could <laughs> do it a kid, huh? that's true actually it's a more <laughs> or a medium or a news anchor <laughs> okay the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, a.k.a. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, attend their first post-wedding event today as a married couple. A garden party honoring Harry's father, Prince Charles, for his years of charitable work. More than 6,000 people involved in the charities supported by Charles also attended the party. The first of many events to be held in advance of his 70th birthday in November. Also civilized, isn't it? Well, among the many British Columbians who watched the wedding as it happened, it's a good bet no one has more up-close memories than Surrey's Donna Moore. As Tanya Beja reports, she traveled to Windsor, got there early, and staked out a front-row spot. This, of course, is a lovely little magnet for the fridge. So Donna the Moore has a shrine full of lot. wedding favors from a trip she won't soon forget. It's one of those bucket list things. You know, you never know how long will you live? How, how many things can you do? And there's lots of things you could do or you might do or save up to do. And this was just like, I think it's even more special because we waited to the very last second. Moore planned to host a royal wedding viewing party at her Surrey home, but two days before Harry and Meghan tied the knot, she decided she wanted to be there in person. And I knew when I get up and she, I could hear the computer clicking, I thought, she's up to something here. I know she's doing something. And so I said, what are you doing? She says, uh... Just looking. Just looking. I said, just do it. She did, arriving in Windsor with a friend in time to stake out a front row seat to history. We stood there and there was, uh, you know, the police were there. And uh, he says, you know, I've walked up and down here and I think you guys have the prime spot. I said, I think I could reach and touch them. And he said, oh, please don't. <laughs> Finally, they came around the corner and we were just like, oh, my God. And uh, there... You know, you get that moment. And so uh, we got the moment, we got the picture, and uh, it was just so satisfying. It was just, it was worth everything. It wasn't her first royal wedding. Moore credits her grandmother for instilling a love oh, for the monarchy, but says her husband gave her the little nudge she needed. I love him. <laughs> 42 years. I love her too. Tanya Beja, Global News. That makes me cry. <laughs>
That's so sweet. So sweet. Donna got some great pics, but maybe not quite as great as this. Among the many pictures taken during the wedding, this one's going viral. A shot by Press Association photographer Yui Mock, who is standing on the roof of the gateway of Windsor Castle, the newlyweds passing directly underneath him in their carriage. Mock says he had less than a one-second window to get the perfect shot while focusing through a metal grill. And some people have noticed something else about the picture. Take a look, pointing out that from above, Harry and Meghan's oh, bodies goodness. and hands form the shape of a heart. Come on. <laughs> Come on, exactly. I'm with Gordo on this one. I, no- I didn't notice it. I didn't notice it, but apparently that's it. <laughs> it's a... It's sort of a misshapen heart, really. <laughs> Tavis did a very good job of making a symmetrical heart. It's like a, what's the thing? Is that how you You're really it? stretching when you're finding <laughs> a heart you. out of I'm that. with you. Oh, the romantics, the romantics see it. Mm. Are we the romantics? I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. Hey, Gordon. Enjoy the sunshine. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye, everyone. Uh, <laughs>